This is the EVP Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the EVP Podcast, the holiday special. I am one of your three co-hosts, DVO. I'm Beaker. And I'm Ghosty McGhostface. It is holiday season. In fact, we are going to take a little bit of a break after this episode because the next few weeks are going to be holidays and we just want to take a break. <laughs> For a holiday break. Yeah, it's a little holiday break. Two week break. So we'll, we will uh, presume a little bit after the new year. And anyway, we thought on this episode, because if you didn't know, a little bit of a, there was a little bit of a tradition in the past to tell scary ghost stories during Christmas time. We'll get into a little bit of the history there. And then we are going to share some Christmas ghost stories. And if you think we're making this up or not, because everyone's heard that song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, yep. where it has that line, and there'll be scary ghost stories and tells of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. So you're aware of it, you're just not aware you're aware of it. They're you know aware. What? When, I was, when I was little and I heard that song, I, I wondered... Do people do people tell ghost stories? I don't know anyone that tells ghost stories. Me neither. I was this, always like, you know who I tells love ghost that stories? The, the EVP podcast. That's we tell ghost right. stories. Tradition starting now. <laughs> Again. So we're like, all right, let's let's do this. But you guys probably know of a famous ghost Christmas story with four ghosts in it and a little miser named Ebenezer Scrooge. You ever heard of that? No. I've heard of this guy. What's it called? <laughs> it's called The Christmas Carol by Sir Charles Dickens. I don't Charles know if it's a circle, but Charles there, Dickens. There was a movie. A man, a, the Man a Who movie? Saved Christmas. I li- that was a good movie. That was a good movie. That it's about movie. how Charles Dickens came up with the idea of A Christmas Carol. In fact, I think it's playing right now, I want to say, on Amazon Prime, maybe. I don't know if I've ever watched this. It's good. Oh, it's, it's, good. It's, it's not. I know I've heard of it. It's but recent. I think, yeah, yeah. I think uh, it just came out a couple like years ago. 2018, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I never watched it. It might have been even sooner than that. It's, it's, it's a little recent. It's a good movie. I do like it. What is. Each of your favorite renditions or adaptations or whatever you want to call it of A Christmas Carol. Ghost, you go first. So my favorites, because there's Just, there's a lot. Okay. The Muppets Christmas, because that, that'll always be a classic to me. Yeah. And then the new one that just came out on Apple TV, The uh, Spirited, with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Have you seen it, Beaker? Not yet. Have you heard of it? Yes, I have. I've heard of Spirited. It's it's funny. Well, you know, they, they started promoting this like a year ago on TikTok. I don't oh, know. I you don't know. you don't TikTok, I don't you don't TikTok. No. But there's that song that, that I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky, yes. I could be purple, I could be so there was a, a viral video that came out last year of Ryan Reynolds. I remember and, this. And uh, Will Ferrell singing it. I remember it, yeah. That was kind of a promotion for this movie um the man who invented christmas oh yeah not saved um 2017 okay um but yeah but he did he did save christmas though he did save it william and he invented it apparently according to this movie um it's a good movie he helped he helped invent it into the christmas card spend your money type of holiday it is today so ghosty likes the new spirited and the muppets christmas carol beaker you so muppets christmas carol obviously but um, the 2019, I think it was, uh, starring Guy Pierce as Ebenezer Scrooge. It was a three-part TV series on FX. Oh, I don't, I didn't see that. Whoa, uh, I don't know if I've ever it's, heard of it's this. It's currently on Hulu. I like Guy um, Pierce. Uh, Andy Serkis played the Ghost of Christmas Past, I believe. 
Oh, so okay. I'm interested. It's even more. uh, it is definitely not family friendly. Do not watch that with your kids. Really? Oh, oh dude, Ebenezer Screws is dropping f bombs. Um, I think there's like some subplot where. Uh, I believe Miss Cratchit kind of offers herself to Ebenezer Scrooge at one point. So, hmm. it is definitely not family friendly. I've never read the book, so I don't know how close it is to the actual no, story. No, I read the book. It's not. <laughs> that <laughs> but, does not happen. But yeah, it's a three part series, and it's actually it's actually pretty good. I like okay. it. Okay, like the book the book is good. If you haven't read it, it's I a good. Have book. Not. Uh, my favorite renditions are a Mickey's Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, and it's Christmas. very short. So I, I, like I do like that. I like how short that like fifteen minutes, right? <laughs> yes, it's pretty short. <laughs> and and Scrooge with Bill Murray, I love which is that also good. A good one. I love that version. Well, those those, those are my favorite versions. Right what did there. you guys think about the one where Jim Carrey CGI animated? You haven't seen that one? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, it's okay. It was okay. It was interesting. It was it kept me in the whole time. It was a little I, dark. There's dark parts. And I like that. Yeah, it was, it was okay. It was okay. I, did, I didn't another, hate it. I didn't love it, but it's okay. Yeah, that was a that was one that was just kind of like a it wasn't needed. <laughs> that, that's there, right. So the, there's a lot of it that wasn't needed. There was uh, so I, I mentioned Bacon Cell on this podcast every now and then. They actually did an episode on a Christmas Carol where they watched like 13 or 14 different oh, versions of a Christmas Carol and talked about it. And there was that. There was one where like George C. Scott was like Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, there was good one. one where, like, I was just watching that yesterday. Patrick Stewart. It's an okay. It's that's that an old one, old one. Huh? That was like seventies or eighties. I, I heard it wasn't very good. But nah. the funny thing is, is I just saw on TikTok the other day, Sir Patrick Stewart has recently created a TikTok page, and in the first video, he started reading a Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. He has a great voice. He does. That's, that's fantastic. Okay, so we thought on this episode, let's also read some some stories. We're gonna each read two stories. My stories are a little old timey because they're kind of traditional. How about, how about you guys? Yeah, newer ones, old timey ones. These um, ones I have are, are newer and more local within the U.S. Okay, I have no idea. I found All a right. book today that said thirty Christmas ghost stories. I just picked two at random, and we're gonna go with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like so after hearing Patrick Stewart uh, reading the Christmas Carol. This, I, I like how it starts. I think this is kind of a very interesting start. So I'm just going to read this real quick if you don't mind. Okay. So this is from A Christmas Carol. I believe this is the very beginning of the book. It says, Marley was dead to begin yep. with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. Mind, I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge where there is particularly dead about a door now. Uh, I might have been inclined myself to regard a coffin nail as the, d- the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade, but wisdom of our ancestors is in the smile, and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it, or the country's, do- or, or the country's done for you. Uh, you will therefore permit me to repeat empathetically that Marley was dead as a door now. I thought that was kind of an interesting way to start the uh, start the book. The whole book is really good. Like the way Charles writes, it is pretty spectacular, which is why he was very famous uh, during the, during his his life and even to today. Now you guys looked into some of the history. I mean, that book was written in 1843, and we're yeah. still talking about it today, close yeah. to 200. And years still making later. new versions of it. Yes. <laughs> now my you guys looked at more of the actual history. I didn't 
my ideology of why why there is ghost stories is because my theory is everyone's around the family they're all together back then there wasn't electricity so they had fires going all the time and it just sets the mood i think i just think it just sets the mood for a good good old ghost story well that is an excellent theory because that's pretty that's much kind what of, happened oh yeah. okay all right <laughs> yeah with it being uh the winter solstice the winter solstice yes and uh the darkest parts of the year and it gets right. darker earlier so they kind of uh well christmas is kind of being celebrated during that yuletide time of year and it's kind of stolen from the pagan holiday of yule <laughs> so uh it wasn't really it was more that it was they were trying to include paganisms into christianity to, to and so they invented people involved they invented this holiday around the solstice they're like oh this is when christ was born you should celebrate with us too yeah. It was more to entice people into the religion. Mm. To, to continue the celebrations yep. okay. that they were used to as pagans. Got it. Okay. So with it being, they think that the, the veil is a little thinner during the winter solstice and it being darker, a lot longer during the, in the, you know, so they feel like they're more connected to spirits and it's a little funner to tell ghost stories during that time. So yeah. True. Pretty That's much. very true. On a side note. F daylight savings time. Just, I don't know yeah, you know, know what they didn't have to deal with back then. Yeah, I say. Oh my god, how nice <laughs> would that have been? <laughs> so, uh, Beaker, I'll have you start, and uh, we'll just go, and then we'll have Ghosty and myself, and we'll each kind of just tell a couple ghost stories around Christmas well, time. First off, oh. do you know why Charles Dickens wrote a Christmas story, uh, Christmas Carol? I don't. Because Christmas, the holiday spirit was dying. Oh, the holiday spirit was on the so decline. So you had to save it. To where back then, like Christmas wasn't even considered a holiday and it wasn't even, no one cared about it. People were still working like a normal day and it wasn't, no one gave two shits about it. So, uh, well, at one point in the 17th century, there was the Puritans when they took over England, they pretty much, they got, did away with Christmas. They thought it was kind of evil. Old Oliver Cromwell. Yep. That's his name. Yep. Little son of a bitch. No, what he was doing <laughs> was he actually banned Christmas carols. He banned Christmas carols. Hater. That son of a bitch. He, he banned. Well, he got, they got rid of everything. He wanted. They he wanted. To, they wanted Christmas. They thought Christmas was evil. Get rid of it oh. because of pagans. And got it. You know, they're like, "Why are we celebrating this shit? <laughs> okay. Putting up trees and shit. <laughs> some that's some witchcraft." <laughs> so, anyways, he's trying to ban everything, and old Charles Dickens, who's already a, a great writer, um, who was already writing some things with ghost stories included in magazines. So he brought it upon himself to save Christmas single-handedly ah. by writing ghost stories. I like it. The Christmas Carol. He and saved Christmas with a Christmas, with a ghost story. I mean, if you, if you just think of the story itself and the basis of the story, it's a pretty good story though. Yeah. And then since then, it kind of became a tradition to tell ghost stories around Christmas time in, in England. It's like it became a British tradition yeah they brought it here to us well he took it or from, they tried but we didn't do well, it. let's continue it americans are like no um that's for no, halloween so they were they would <laughs> they would tell the stories around the fireplace like like uh dvo mentioned earlier charles dickens took it to putting it down in words because it was just like the the stories were passed down from generation to yes. generation just by storytelling charles dickens is the one that made it where they actually started writing these stories down yeah because they were, you know, they were getting. He lost the, a lot of money on this. Well, book people too. just telling ghost stories over and over again. The, they were getting t 
taller tales as they go, went on and on. It's a little telephone game. Yeah, so writing them down, you can't change it after yeah, that. Yeah, that's Stop true. Stop changing shit. It's written down now. Yeah, yeah. that's why they never change any of the movie versions ever. They're all the same. And then uh, <laughs> before we tell stories, let me say uh, one thing that Charles Dickens wrote about ghosts and Christmas. He said, uh, the ghosts of Christmas are really the past, present, and future swirling around us in the dead of the year. They're a reminder that we're all haunted all the time by good ghosts and bad, and that they all have something to tell us. Hmm. You guys should read the book. It's a really good book. Like, the literature, the way he writes, it's really good. Well, and it's not hard to, like, you don't even have to buy it. There are so many websites. When we were looking up this stuff, uh, I was researching, like, Christmas ghost stories. And there was like several websites that had, you know, a list of the top 10 best ghost stories. Uh, Christmas Carol was like the number one on all of them. And several of them had links. It's like, read the full book here. And it just had links so you can read it. So you don't even have to go buy it. You can find it. and, and Yeah, you can just search I Christmas Carol PDF. Now. The internet's the yeah. best. The internet, yep. A Christmas Carol PDF. Boom. There you go. Pretty much. Yep. yep. So, Beaker, please tell us. Our first Christmas ghost okay, story. Okay, our first Christmas ghost story is coming from this book I found today called 30 Christmas Ghost Stories. This one's called Christmas Tricks. Ooh, sounds tricky. Yeah, that's why I picked it because it says seductive. Christmas Tricks. I want to know what it's about. I haven't read it yet. So here we go. Um, it starts out saying the, the Welsh village of Lagonda between Chepstow and Monmouth uh, came, to be, came to the attention of national newspapers due to a poltergeist that came active at the Christmas of 1823. So it's a little bit older. Um, so wrote a correspondence to the Bristol Mercury investigating William Edwards, a former preacher whose haunted house was classed as being in the league as the notable haunting of the time known as Scratching Fanny and the Cock Lane Ghost. And uh, another poltergeist story. It was reported that an invisible spirit had made Edward and his family's life utter hell. It became so violent that it demolished earthenware and broke glass. Poor William believed that the poltergeist to be living in his house. Uh, he relocated to another location in the village only for the crockery destroying demon to pursue him to the new home. Then the poltergeist seems to have found this move disagreeable and began kicking furniture down the stairs and generally causing damage and mayhem around William Edwards. A correspondent visiting interviewed the locals and concluded that what was happening was real, although the villagers had various ideas on what was really happening. Mr. Edwards was reported to believe he was buffeting Satan on his detrimentation, I can read, uh, to become a new man. Uh, another villager claimed that Edward once promised to meet a ghost or sprite to try and find hidden treasure with it, but had forgotten the appointment. Uh, sadly, the poltergeist disappeared from history, and we will never discover the truth behind the poltergeist, or if indeed it ever stopped haunting poor William Edwards. Where does, where does Christmas have to come into that one? It was tricky. It, it, <laughs> right? tricky okay, story. I'll reread the beginning. Uh, it came in attention when this poltergeist that became active. 
at the Christmas of 1823. Oh, okay. Started being active. They started being active on Christmas Day in 1823. Okay. My next? Yep. All right, let me clear my throat. <coughs> oh, yeah, let me clear that. Okay, this one is called The Bright Light and the Calm Watchdog. I had an unusual visitor on Christmas Day 2008, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't Santa Claus passing by my house in Bloomington, Indiana. The day started in typical fashion, with the opening of gifts around the Christmas tree. I served an early Christmas dinner for family and friends, and everybody departed by 5 p.m. except my sister and brother-in-law who live with me. They were sleeping in a bedroom at the end of the hall with the door open. I went into my bedroom with my dog, Toby and shut the door securely. I was just dozing off when I heard the latch in my bedroom door open. I waited several seconds for my sister or brother-in-law to ask me whatever they came in to say, but there was no other sound. It was almost 7 p.m., so my bedroom was pitch black. I had left lights on in the kitchen and bathroom, and there were lots of Christmas lights in the living room, so the hallways were, would have been well lit. I, was, I would have been able to see whoever was at the door just by lifting my head. I pushed the blankets down and lifted my head from the pillow, but just as I would have been able to see who was in the doorway, an extremely bright light hit me right in the eyes. I shielded my eyes and yelled, Turn that shit out! <laughs> You're blinding me! The ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> right? <laughs> the light immediately disappeared, and I heard the bedroom door latch closed. My bedside light is a touch lamp, so I tapped it and looked around my bedroom. There was no one in the bedroom except me and Toby. Toby jumped off the bed and went into the door without showing any signs of alarm. At first, I wasn't frightened because Toby is a Dutch shepherd, well-trained to be an excellent watchdog and proven personal protection dog. Since Toby was already up, I decided to go let him outside and see what sis or brother-in-law needed. I went into the hallway. I could see both of them still in bed. I took Toby to the living room to let him outside, and there was nobody there either. So... Who opened my bedroom door and turned a spotlight on on my face? Like most people, the thoughts of loved ones are always close at hand during the holiday season. When I first went to lie down, I was thinking how happy I was that my small family had enjoyed a pleasant Christmas, but it would have been so much better if my mother and brother had still been alive to share it with us. I would like to think it was my brother's spirit stopping by to say Merry Christmas. I still think of you too. I haven't been able to debunk this strange event or find any kind of rational explanation. I'm half afraid that my heart stopped during my sleep and the light I saw was a bright light people report after near-death experiences. Leave it to me to see the stairway to heaven and ruin my chance at eternal paradise by saying, Turn out that effing light! (laughs) I've made a mental note that if I ever see another bright light to clean up my language just in case. Signed, Scarlet. (laughs) Okay. It's kind of funny. Yeah. There was the light. <laughs> <laughs> right? Her heart stopped in sleep. And they're like, fine, you, you, you can live. But Scarlet, <laughs> sounds like you have sleep apnea. Please go get that check, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This story takes place in um, jolly old England of 1782. In 1782? Her- 1782. Wow. In Hertfordshire, England. Walter Cliven- Clivens and his son sold at markets and fairs. This was a big business for them, especially during the holidays. The baker would, would, would fake being blind and listen to the stories of his clients. Uh, he would listen to tradesmen and farmers who, and see who made the most money during that day. 
Uh, the, then the family, the Clivens family, would follow them and ambush them on the rural roads dressed as highwaymen. We talked about highwaymen. Highwaymen. Right? These, were, <laughs> these were the people that were raw people on the roads. <clears throat> well, just after Christmas, December 28, 1782, the family was selling their pies. And they chose Robert Wittenberry as their next target due to his big profit that day. Uh, as they went to ambush him, they accidentally ambushed his son, William. William handed over his money and rushed to his uncle Benjamin's house that was nearby. They armed themselves with guns and caught up to Robert, the, the, the father who they were really trying to get, uh, to warn him about it. So the whole Wittenberry family, so Robert, his son William, his brother Benjamin, um, they went back to the scene of the crime and confronted the Cliven family, and they started a fight right there. Well, Uncle Benjamin was knocked down, and while, and while Cliven, the father, stood over him with a knife, Benjamin shouted to his servant to shoot Cliven. The servant hit his target of Cliven, and one of Cliven's sons ran away, but Cliven and his other son were captured and taken to an inn nearby. The people flocked to the inn to see Cliven suffer for his crimes, because he'd been, you know, he'd been robbing people. He was tied to the back of a horse and dragged to the scene of the crimes. Apparently, that didn't kill him, and the crowd gladly beat him to death. Oh, gladly. Yes. Nice. They denied him a Christian burial, so they sunk him in the ground there and drove a post through his heart to stop his spirit from wandering. That um, should work. A few months later in March, Cliven's other son was captured and he was executed. The post is said to still be there today, sticking out the, gra- sticking out the ground, and is named Cliven's Post. Um, during the correct time of year, as the sun starts to set, you can hear sounds of horses' hooves. Some have claimed to see a, to see a ghostly horse dragging a body toward the inn. Uh, basically, Cliven is condemned to relive his, relive his final journey every Christmas. Hmm. That sounds fun. <laughs> That's a good story. Yeah. Right through the heart. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. Stop being a highwayman. Yeah, don't do that. Okay, never this turns is... out. Never turns out for the highwayman. No. Sometimes I have no idea. Um, so this one, this one is going to come from a book called True Ghost Stories: Haunting Holidays, because I like these stories better than the other book. Um, this one I actually did read part of before I <laughs> fell asleep because I have sleep apnea and I don't always use my mask like I'm supposed to. Anyways, uh, this one's called The Uninvited Guest. A few years ago, my family decided that it had been quite a while since we had all gotten together for a big family dinner. Considering the number of us that there were, there was approximately 20, it was never easy to find time, especially during the holidays, where all of us were free. After numerous messages back and forth with one another, we just decided that it wasn't going to happen and that the idea was forgotten. Unfortunately, tragedy would intervene and change everything. Two weeks before Christmas, my mom called me on my cell phone and told me that my cousin Jeremy had been killed in a car wreck. He was one of the people in my family that I was really close with growing up. He had been only a year older than me and had given, and given that he lived in the same city as me, we were basically like brothers. The relationship had continued into adulthood, but with as most people, we started to see each other less and less. Still, we made time for each other on birthdays and other major events in our lives. The news of his passing was like a punch in the gut. We were supposed to get our families together this year for Christmas, and all those plans were in doubt. News of Jeremy's passing quickly spread through the family, and everyone made plans to come to the funeral. 
I found it sad that nobody had the time to show up when he was alive, but now that he had died, they would come. The funeral took place a few days before Christmas and was a very nice affair. Friends and relatives all attended, telling stories of Jeremy's high points in his life. It was well attended, and I realized just how many people were left with a hole in their lives because of his passing. The family stayed in town for Christmas dinner with one another, since it seemed wrong to leave during this time. Granted, the build-up was a melancholy affair. The idea of celebrating so soon after tragedy felt wrong, even if nobody actually said something. The only thing that would have felt worse was doing nothing at all. Like it or not, the 25th arrived, and the family had gathered together. The time for dinner was quickly approaching. The smells of roasted turkey and ham intermixed together with that of pies, mashed potatoes, and every other side dish that you could think of. We may not be able to eat our sadness away, but that didn't mean we couldn't try. I walked into the dining room carrying a heavy sack of plates, ready to set them around the table. Uh, Ever since I was little, setting the table had always been my chore, and that continued into adulthood. Already I had earned a look of disappointment when I had made the mistake of counting the plates and telling my mom we were one plate short, that we needed 20, not 19. My Aunt Gina, Jeremy's mom, had been in the room with us, and she turned away when I said it. I couldn't hear her, but her shoulders bounced up and down as silent sobs racked her body. Shame burned my face, and I kept my head down as I returned to the flatware and napkins, trying to avoid more tension. Once I had finished, I returned and tried to make myself useful, but was shooed out of the kitchen by the people finishing up the cooking. With little else to do, I went out and sat quietly and tried to blend in with the background as the rest of my family talked around me. All of my other family members were either much older or younger than me, so I felt out of place without anyone to find common ground with. Had it been one of those reasons Jeremy and I had been so close, we made these things tolerable for each other. Now Jeremy is gone, though. After what felt like an eternity, my mom called the rest of us in the dining room for dinner. Plates and bowls were packed high with food. Every possible inch of the uh, space on the table had been used, and more waited to be brought in once needed. When my grandfather said the prayer before we ate, I had a hard time concentrating. All I could ask myself was how could God allow someone like Jeremy to be killed at such an early age? Why did he have to be taken away when there were so many people that deserved it so much more? Growing uncomfortable with my dark thoughts while we were giving thanks, I opened my eyes and froze. The seat in which I sat faced one of the windows and there on the other side in that cold stood Jeremy a playful smile on his face. Happiness, disbelief, and confusion mixed with in my head. I had just seen him in his casket two days before, but there he was, standing there as if the whole funeral thing had been a dream and he had just arrived late. I burst from my chair, mid-prayer, and rushed for the door. I flung it open and tore outside, ignoring the question being shouted at me from the table. My heart felt like it would beat out of my chest with joy. I tore outside and around the corner, nearly losing my balance to the spot where I had just seen him a few seconds before. When I got there, though, nobody was there. Even the snow which had fallen the day before showed no sign that anyone had been stood there. The only tracks on the white surface were the ones that I had made. I turned into I turned in a complete circle, confused. I knew what I had seen. I was sure of it. Confusion quickly turned to anger as I failed to find any sign of him. There was no way I could have missed him if he had been there. By then, a few members of my family had fallen outside trying to figure out what was with my strange behavior. How do you tell someone that you had just seen your dead cousin looking at all of us through the window and not sound crazy? 
I didn't think there was any way I could do so without sounding crazy, so I made something up. I thought I saw a little kid out here looking at us while we were praying. It was the best thing I could come up with at the time. Everyone seemed to buy the story and made a point to look around the house for any signs of a child, but none of us can find anything, just like I knew we wouldn't. Try as I might, I couldn't shake the image of Jeremy smiling at our family and his family as we sat around getting ready to eat dinner. I knew he would be proud that he was the reason all of us sat around the table as a family. Granted, though, I think he would have wanted to be there himself. With nothing left to do, all of us went back inside and ate dinner and waited for us there. I ate the dinner that waited us for there. For us there. Holy hell. Bahama, Bahama. Bahama, Bahama. <laughs> no one spoke about my strange outburst, but I did get a few strange looks from some of the younger kids. That night, the answer for what I had seen come came to me. I am not a person who remembers his dreams very often, but this was different. I found myself in the dining room just as we had been earlier. The table empty except for one person. Jeremy sat there, a plate full of food, eating to his heart's content. Jeremy explained to me that what I had seen in the window had, in fact, been him, and that he had been looking in on us to make sure we were doing okay given the unfortunate timing of his death. He told me that he was in a better place, and that he was okay to move on. It was okay to move on and be happy. He didn't want his death to be something that stopped that. The next day I woke up and it felt like a weight that had been lifted around my neck since Jeremy died had been lifted. I, uh, it felt like a weight that had been around my neck since Jeremy died had been lifted. I had seen him twice, uh, once outside our window and once in a dream. I know he's watching over me and the rest of our family, which puts my mind at ease. That year, Jeremy showing up was the best gift I received. He may not have been invited, but who will always be a welcome guest. It's a really good story. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. That's cool to see him as a spirit and then I would in have the said, that I would have said who I saw. Yeah, yeah. Like, the whole family's there. Why not? That's a good story. All right, this Heartfelt. one. This one's called The Haunted Tree. My parents and I lived in a small home that was around 90 years old. The year would have been 1996. We lived there from the time I was seven years old to the time I was 19. From the very day that we moved in, I felt that I was not alone. One year, around Christmas time, I was having a friend spend the night. The heat had just shut off briefly, and she and I were sitting in the living room watching television when the temperature dropped substantially. As I rose to turn up the heat, the Christmas tree began to shake violently. Ornaments were falling off right and left, and she and I were terrified. We ran upstairs and laid on my bed. My white cat curled up with us, and my door was, slight, was open slightly. When I gazed out at the dark hallway, I was horrified to see a tall white figure run down the hall. I turned to my friend, and she acknowledged what she had seen, that she had seen the exact same thing. She never spent the night ever again. Well, that's pretty freaky. Yeah, that's crazy. That was just random. And that the spirit could have just been attached to the tree. Maybe an elemental. Maybe. Huh. I'm just like, you cut down my tree, you son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. As an investigator, we probably would have been there with our reporter stuff. Like, do you want us to leave? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want me to put the tree back in the yard? (laughs) You got to go replant this tree 200 yards out (laughs) there. All right, this, uh, this last story took place in 1908. A family in a farming village of Manitoba were preparing a great feast for Christmas Eve. 
Perla and her kids were getting the dining table already where they were going to serve 12 traditional meatless dishes that would be placed representing the representing Christ's 12 apostles. Never heard that before. Meatless dishes. Maybe they're vegan. Meatless dishes. This is vegan before being vegan. Was yeah. But then Perla's eight-year-old uh, daughter, Anne, shouted, Billy has come, as she pointed to the floor beneath the table. All the siblings saw a smiling figure of a two-year-old boy, Billy, who had passed two years previously. Billy was dressed in all white, clasping his hands together. Perla looked under the table, but could not see anything. However, all the kids saw him for a significant moment of time before he faded away, leaving an aura of light. The kids, even as they grew up and became adults, still claim, all of them, that they all saw Billy that Christmas Eve. And although Perla never saw him, she believes that her children did. You know what? That makes a lot of sense for spirits to come visit around Christmas time when everybody's together. Yeah, there's like a love in the air. Yeah, so yeah. that bring makes and creates more ghost stories. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true, yeah. Because, like, oh, everyone's here. I can just make one visit. Right, yeah. This will <laughs> be takes, easy. This takes a lot of energy for me <laughs> yeah. to visit everybody and, and spy <laughs> right? on them. If I could just do it all at once, that'd be cool. But, like, me, like, I love Christmas time and, and the time we have with our family. Like, I'm, I'm going to come back, you know, and hang out with my family. Right. That's probably a lot of a lot of spirits. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. And then there's me that was trying to work overtime on Christmas, even though we're not open. Like, but I want to work. <laughs> I, as soon as they asked that, I'm like, we work at Christmas? So I was told no, and I said, can I? <laughs> Can I just come in? Like, I'll just sit here by myself. It's cool. <laughs> and then they see the red hair. Like, oh, the whole no soul thing. Got you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, let's see if we got some room Squash for Squash don't have no Christmases. Squash <laughs> don't got no soul. <laughs> Wait a minute. Those are our Christmas ghost stories for this episode. Fun well, ghost stories. That was awesome. Good episode. Yep. And we'll see you all in a few weeks when we come back. Oh, yeah. Before we do that, though, while you're on a break... Check out our social medias, evp.pod at gmail, and that's our email. That's where you can email us. If you've got a Christmas ghost story, email oh, us. Oh, I'd love one. evp.pod at gmail.com. Also, check out our social medias with evp.pod at Instagram and Facebook. And there's also our link on Facebook, um, Twitter link tree, all the different places you can watch or listen to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Subscribe to my only fins. Only fins? fins? Catching fish. <laughs> He's got. A, he needs a bigger <laughs> canoe to catch fish with. It'll uh, help for our haunted <laughs> ghost. There yeah. is a link in our our link tree to purchase ghost hunting gear from Ghost Stop, and there's also a donation page. Yes. All right, guys. Ghosts, you don't play that. Peace out, butterflies. We told Gary scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Ho, 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 bitches. This is the EVP podcast.